Sideways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. So welcome to our weekly podcast. We, we do this every week. Yeah. Somehow. Some way. Oh my god. Dog. <laughs> and we have a puppy. And we have a puppy who's very insistent on pets today. Like literally splayed out on my lap wanting pets. Scratching my leg. Look at these scratches. Yeah. Oh baby. Uh, but yeah, we, we don't always talk about my dog. We often talk about romantic comedies. The history of. <laughs> it's like a library. Romantic comedies. History of. We are the podcast that watches romantic comedies in chronological order. We started way back. In the 1918. Way back. 1918. With the Wayback Machine. That's like before movies existed. Yeah, we, we took the Wayback Machine or a TARDIS. Um, it was a very hard uh, ordeal flagging down the doctor and getting him to take us to 1918 germany <laughs> yes <laughs> don't lie that's what happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm not lying <laughs> i just didn't know we were telling people that well i mean i got permission from matt smith last night so <laughs> <laughs> the least reliable doctor <laughs> exactly <laughs> Well, Ashley, are you ready to hop in the Wayback Machine again today? Yes. Which doctor are we getting today? I hope it's David Tennant. I hope it is, too. (laughs) Both of them. We're not going too far back anymore. We're going back to 1981. We're watching Modern Romance. Ooh. I feel like it's not going to be a modern romance anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We're watching a dated romance. Got it. It's on Netflix streaming. And here is the description via Netflix. A hopelessly neurotic film editor tries to overcome his jealous tendencies by alternately breaking up and reconciling with a very patient girlfriend. I feel like I'm going to hate this movie. (laughs) Yeah, this I feel is directly the outcome of Woody Allen movies, which as you know, Woody Allen made... The hopeless neurotic romantic. Yeah. Yeah. In the late 70s, and this is 81, so... We gotta make a movie like Woody Allen. Yeah. All of the Woody Allen. <laughs> Without Woody Allen. Puppy doesn't like it. Well, Puppy doesn't like Woody Allen, because I'm saying it weird. And of course, we picked this movie because it stars a film editor. Yeah. Um, And we are film editors. <laughs> Ashley and on, I. On occasion. Ashley and I, yes. <laughs> We're not podcasting. Yes. Our podcasting is really our day job, but <laughs> <laughs> editing is just that side gig that we do. You know, we do it for funds. Yeah. <laughs> Funzy. <laughs> please donate to our Patreon. Yes, please. We are poor. No, yeah. Uh, for serious, Ashley and I are editors. Yes. We went to school for it, and... We have a total of, like, what, 20 years experience between us? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Something like that. The way that Columbia did everything was very hands-on. So you had to be working on a project to, you know, get a grade. So I count that as experience because it is a project. Right. What were your films like? About walking to class. And it was like a romantic comedy setup. Ooh. Um, where I'm running to class and then I spill coffee on a guy and he's like, Hey, it's not a big deal and then we walk off into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> Which I starred in because I couldn't find an actor. Yeah. So yeah, I can show you that one of these days. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I felt really bad having to spill like water on my friend's crotch area. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, there was the other one that I did. Sorry, this one I yeah. was so proud of. I wrote this. It was a inspired by The Wizard of Oz, but Ooh. she fell into a comic book. Ooh. And went to like landed to Gotham City and had to like it was like the Tin Man, but not. And yeah, I had to go and meet like all the characters. I would watch that. But then was being chased by these sand people, which I thought was kind of cool. Dude, let's produce that. <laughs> I like that. That's very cool. I was not thinking that big in film school. I didn't like, I I thought way too big <laughs> for my things. So a lot of the VFX and everything for that were really bad. And I don't think I ever really finished it. My films are about conformity. <laughs> <laughs> of course they were. <laughs> it's totally you, Justine. <laughs> All right. So back to modern romance, the film we're about to watch. Yeah. Who, who is in this film? This movie stars Albert Brooks, Catherine Harold, and Bruno Kirby, who we will see in When Harry Met Sally in 1989. Oh, yay. I like know albert brooks because of finding nemo yeah i think he also played the grandpa on weeds and the kid who played the voice of nemo was also on weeds um. so like they were cursing at one another and it was like marlin and nemo teenage years it was really a, a kind of adorable <laughs> <laughs> well this film's also directed by albert brooks of course it is written by albert brooks probably I believe. Probably, yeah. If this is a whole Woody Allen-esque yeah. thing. Now, this is new. I'm going to tell you who edited it. Thank you. <laughs> and the reason why we never listed the editors before, because I was just doing the, the surface information you can get on Netflix, on the yes. Netflix website. Because that's how we started out as a podcast, was just like... This is what Netflix tells us. We're just doing things off the Netflix list. And we're not afraid to grow and expand. And oh, yeah. We're always changing. We're forever evolving. Of course we are. So if you, the listener, has any ideas, please get in touch with us. Oh, yes. On the Twitter or the Facebook. At Cutaways Podcast. Oh, yes. We're Twitter. using our sexy voices. Please let <laughs> us know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this film is edited by David Finfer. The apprentice editor was John Curran, and the assistant editor was Michael D. Ornstein. This film is rated R. It's an hour and 33 minutes and rated one and a half stars on Netflix. Netflix hates this movie. People already do not like. No. I'm intrigued by having, because I'm always intrigued when, you know, they actually show editors in movies. Mm -hmm. Because no one knows what an editor does. Right. <laughs> really. Like, trying to explain it to my mom, I have to, like, use an analogy sometimes when I'm, like, talking about what's happening. I'm like, we're just, we're just gonna take all the pieces and you gotta chop them up into little puzzle pieces and then you fit the puzzle pieces together and that's what we do. Does it irk you when people find out you're an editor and they go, oh, so you take out all the bad bits? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that irks me as well. Everyone th doesn't really think of it as, like, an art form sometimes. I feel like everybody thinks it's this very stock thing that everything that's shot is perfect automatically. They're going through the takes. You're not really choosing the best performance. You're choosing 
from an already amazing performance. People don't think that there's a lot of art that goes into it or a lot of work, which is why, like, in school, I had directors who were like, oh, we just want, like, an editor who's just going to cut directly from the script and going to be, like, a robot and just do what I tell them to do. And that I can't subscribe to, which is why, if you notice on Twitter... I don't think I've ever explained it on the podcast, but my Twitter handle is Real Bad Robot because of that. Because mm-hmm. I don't subscribe to this notion of being robotic in the editing room. And that came from college and it's not changing and it has nothing to do with J.J. Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you told me that story, but no, you've never explained that on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, J.J. Abrams, but I'm not changing it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She's the real bad robot. <laughs> So when we come back from watching the movie, we'll explain what an editor does and what an assistant editor does. Yeah, we can do that. All right. All right. We'll be back. We'll be back. (laughs) I think we should just open with the dead silence because it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, okay, we just had a little breather. We're not coming directly from... Turning off said horrible movie. You don't want us to come directly off of said horrible movie. Do you want to talk about editing first? Yeah, let's do that. One of the one of the things that it did get semi right was how like editing used to work back in the day when it was on film and talking about bins and you had your assistant editor with you all the time to and do all the hard labor. Yeah, to do all the <laughs> switching out of bins and knowing where scenes were and yeah, picking up reels. Yeah. Searching through trims. Oh, yes. Trimbin. Trimbin. It's my favorite word to say. Yeah. It's a good word. It is. Phrase. Phrase. Yeah. It had a really interesting, like, director-editor relationship <laughs> that they showed. Some parts were felt true-ish. Yes. Other parts were not. Yeah. The fact that he was mostly out of the editing room while, like, in the middle of prepping a movie for a screening... The editor? Yes. Was not okay. Yeah, the editor did like 2% of the work on the film that they were making. And then then the assistant was like, oh, look, I made this cut and this cut and this cut because I was talking to the director and I made this cut. And I stayed extra long hours. Yeah. Like I was here from like 8 p.m. until 9.30 p.m. the next day. Yeah, Bruno Kirby was like the hero of this film. Yes, well, the hero of the editing room. Yeah. Let's be honest. He's the one working with working his way up. Yeah. For maybe maybe for listeners who don't know want to describe what an editor does, what an assistant does, what the differences are. You can talk about them in today's Today? Yeah, cuz it's a little bit different than what they showed in the movie today. Cuz today we're all software based. We aren't actually physically touching film strips anymore. At least how I view how everything works is the assistant editor makes sure Make sure that your editor, we like to call them our editors because they are like the people that we are always making sure are able to work, have stuff to work on. What came in from the dailies, we're making sure the dailies are sunk and ready for the editor. We do scene cards. We, uh, not necessarily line, but we prep a script in Avid if the editor wants it that way. R.I.P. Script Sync. Oh, man. Nextidia. Or whatever hell it's called now, because I just got bought out, which is why we we still have no script sync two years later. 
a lot of prep work that goes into it. The assistant editors make sure that all that prep work is good and they take care of all the technical errors. Unless it's like a hardware error, then we pass it on to the IT guys. Yeah, so the assistant editor does all the organization of the daily footage. Yes, um, we do get to do some creative stuff. Um, we get to do some some temp sound effect work, kind of getting things mixed ready for producers to come in because producers don't like to listen to un, un sound effect ready uh, rough cuts. They tend to really like to see if, like, a thunderstorm is supposed to be going on in the background. They like to hear it. L.A. has less of imagination than Chicago does. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 something that I've learned that I don't really mind doing. I would I would appreciate it if, like, back in the day, you assistant editors wouldn't do this. Assistant editors would be sitting in the room with the director and the editor once they've, you know taking care of organization stuff and they get to actually sit and learn from your editor. It's kind of like an apprenticeship as well as an assistance ship. Like you're, you're taking care of the organization, but then you're also getting the benefit of being able to watch the editor work and do the creative mm -hmm. kind of side of things. And also give some editors really like to have their assistants sit and watch scenes and give like their perspective on it. You, there is like that whole politicalness of being in the edit room you have to kind of not necessarily manage what you say, but you have to be aware of who you're in the room with always. Um, you kind of have to have a sense of you have to like have a sense of looking out for what an editor needs before he even asks you for it kind of thing. Mm, that's the same thing as the editor does for a director. Yeah. The the assistant really has to take on that role of helping helping support the editor kind of making the editor look good just like the editor makes the actors and the director look good the assistant editor's role is there to make sure that he that your editor looks good mm -hmm. sharon would let me um do cuts of scenes yeah i've had a couple editors let me do some stuff like that which was really nice yeah. a lot of editors don't though yeah it's kind of sad yeah i mean like that's how I'd be doing the daily stuff and then she'd be like, okay, now do a first pass on the scenes and, you know, and then eventually I like became a co-editor with her and then mm -hmm. eventually she's like, here you go, <laughs> you edit this. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how the role has kind of changed with the amount. Assi assistant editors today have to know a lot more than what they did in the past. Yes. We, we have to know the software we have to know how the software is going to work. We have to know the error messages that that software is commonly thrown out. We have to read. Basically, what I do, I spend a lot of time, like just downtime, just reading about the new features in, I specifically work in Avid. So I, I pay attention to what the new features are going to be in Avid, what what I can plan for, what the, what the current bugs are that I need to look out for, like if there's any type of corruption big errors that happen in it i have to know when the because avid has this weird thing where it doesn't give you error message that make any sense yeah <laughs> so you have to kind of know where you need to look to find how to fix those error messages to be an assistant editor you need an internet connection <laughs> well and you have to be you have to be open to like asking for that help oh yeah kind of thing because i've noticed a lot is that if you go into being an assistant editor, 
saying like, oh, I know everything about Avid. I know what I'm doing. I know how you have to be open to learning and looking for looking for and asking for help at the drop of a hat. You have to be like emotionally okay with that (laughs) kind of thing. You can't go into it being cocky. You can't you can't uh, be like, oh, I know how to do this and then try and like learn it off of Linda the next day. Mm-hmm. You cannot put yourself in that position because Avid and and so now Premiere, Premiere has a lot of errors in it that are, are customized strictly to themselves, to its software itself. So you have to kind of know where to go for that. I'm still learning Premiere. I am not like Premier's confident. It's in- scary. Premiere has so many issues with just loading media. <laughs> Premiere, I... I- I don't want to sound like I don't know things, but when I use Premiere, I'm like, why aren't you Avid? And I don't, I don't necessarily hate Premiere. Like Premiere has some really good features that I think Avid should like look into. Yeah, there's some really good um, multicam features in Premiere that yeah. are a lot stronger um, than than Avid because Avid's multicam is still really clunky, and I don't want to get into this big techie conversation, but. That's like that's what an assistant editor has to to know is they have to know the differences they have to know what they're, what they're working on, and where the versions changed because like yeah. right now I went from working on a f- a film in July that was on Avid eight five two and then I switched to this film and it was being cut on Avid six five which is completely different. That is a four-year-old software. It has a lot Avid more. six? Yeah. How do you even do anything? <laughs> I mean, the basics are still there. Yes, you, it you is still, still have, Avid. You still have the basics of Avid, which is but really nice. But I'm sure nice. you're like, you don't know. You're like, hold on. Where is this in the menu? Because they completely changed their whole menu system. Yeah. Luckily, I still like. it. I'm sure it took you like half a day. It took me. It did take me half a day of being like, Why? What? Well, and it's because we're using an old Unity, so we have to use 6.5. We can't... Mm. Uh, 7 won't connect to the Unity anymore. I think. Well, I think they ended it at 7.2, maybe. And this is all in recent years. Yeah, so there's... There have been major releases just in the past few years. Yeah, it's just like you have to know that kind of stuff to go in to be an assistant editor of where everything kind of changes. Some t- sometimes like editors just don't know that kind of stuff they don't know the technical side of it other editors really like to know the tech side of it just so that they don't always have to be asking yeah well i'm a little half and half i'm not afraid to ask you actually no 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 no. i'm not saying like it's just it's just what the editor is comfortable with yeah like if the i get the aspect of it of where the editor doesn't want to focus on anything technical when they are working on their cut they want to focus on the creative. They want to focus on the actor's performances. They want to actually get the feel for the material and and start building their emotional. Because it's a scene. zone. It is a yes. zone you have to work to getting into. And when you're in it, you want to stay in it. And it's just you got to figure out. I don't know the whole like getting in the headspace of the movie, the scene, the yes. particular actor, the particular drive, the moment. It's not something that you can. It's stop not, and start on right it's not easy to do that and i've been doing that a lot lately because i've been assisting myself in all the edit things i've been doing for the past couple of years yeah and that's really hard for for some people it's just there's others that for me like i like knowing the tech stuff of it because i find 
I find a creative way of going about the technical issues. So I'm tapping into the creative side as well as the technical side, which helps me. But that's just how my brain is wired and how I've bounce it off of one another ashley is an avid genius not really (laughs) you totally are (laughs) no i just read i just i sit there this is what happens okay i have in the morning on facebook i have a couple avid facebook pages that i just go and i read about the technical problems that people are having and what they can do to solve it i know i see you commenting on the forums and i'm like that a girl yeah it just it helps me stay like involved and especially when i have to go back to a software that i have to like retrain my brain to it helps it just helps me keep in that like keep up to date but also keep uh refreshing on the the old knowledge kind of thing because there's a lot of stuff that i learned in reality tv that i have slowly exited from my brain (laughs) Because it doesn't work. What works in reality TV does not work in features all the time. It can cause a lot of problems the way that you set things up. And the way that you set up a feature is not the same as setting up a television show. Mm -hmm. In reality TV and scripted TV setup, there's different. You have to be very aware of what the project you're working on is, where it's going, what the organization system it is. You have to really kind of go back and forth with your editor on what works for your editor and then what works for you. Mm-hmm. Some people will separate projects out so that the uh, assistant editor is working in their own project so that the editor doesn't touch it. And others... Sharon other editors, and I used to do that. I used to just send her the dailies bins and she would just yeah. open them into her project. Some editors don't like doing that though. Really? There's something nice about working in the same project on an, on a networked system. Working, like, separately of one another, like, off of a network system, it makes sense to work on separate projects and just sending bins, which is what really is nice about Avid, is you don't have to send your whole project to somebody. You just can send a bin. Mm -hmm. And it's a separate file. It's already saved. You don't have to create it like you do in Premiere. You have to create, like, an ALE or an AAF or something. And that can get kind of annoying if you're doing something that's effects-heavy or anything like that. It just gets... An AAF is great, but at the same time, there's so many things that can go wrong in that sequence. Opening it up between two different versions of Premiere or even going between Avid and Premiere. Yeah. Well, when I was at Hallmark and we were in the same project in the same bins, I'd get a little frustrated because I didn't, oh, I didn't notice that you had this bin open and I did work in it and none of my work is saved. <laughs> That is what gets frustrating. I wish there was, and this is something that's been discussed about Avid, is the way that it handles locked bins. Like a pop-up window could open if it was way more noticeable that that bin is locked. Because sometimes what happens on those network, those shared drives, if it's not necessarily an ISIS or anything, because sometimes the ISIS can screw up and it gets kind of scary. But if it doesn't show that bin bolded, Sometimes it won't, even if it is right, actually not, it, Yeah, like if you haven't done a recent save, it won't yeah, show it. It won't show it yet. That's what happened to me a bunch. Yeah, and, and it's especially true if it's like an older version of the ISIS. And if it's slower, if it doesn't have the right bandwidth. There's a lot of different weirdness that happens. We had one where the ISIS was so slow to catch up that it freaked out the project and like showed the project blank. Oh, God. As if, and put all of the bins in the delete bin. And so the only way that you could get out of it was you had to quit Avid, hope that your work saved, 
and restart the the uh, re go into the attic no you had to disconnect from the isis reconnect to the isis Ugh. and then restart your project and hope this happens on windows more than it happens on i Mac. could see that because i remember in school when it was in the windows and we were on the network and this is forever long ago we'd have to like log in and connect to it and then when we were having problems we had to turn uh, off the avid log out and, like turn off the computer switch off the avid like mm-hmm. switch on the yeah like, all these things in the steps and it, i think it's the way it's because of the way windows does drive management is totally different than the way mac does windows requires a certain letter associated and you cannot go over that amount of right, letters yeah whereas mac you can have an infinite amount of drives opened it's not recommended, but you can. And if there's anything we editors need, it's an infinite amount of drives. Yes. Thank you, Thunderbolt. I kind of liked this movie because the assistant could go and like sit during a mix session and help out and, and be there for a spotting session kind of thing. That part I found the most unbelievable, though. I the wouldn't spotting have, session? I wouldn't have been in a spotting session. I don't think I've ever been in a spotting session with, with just the editor. It would be the editor and the director. Yeah. There is no way that that would happen without the director. I've been in a spotting session as an editor. Yes. Yeah. Maybe the only things Sharon would bring me like everywhere. So we'd go to like color houses and stuff. But like I feel like more times as an editor I would go to these places. The only thing that I did do recently, which I did go to a um, conform session with the director and one of the producers as an assistant as the assistant but it was because my editor couldn't go Mm -hmm. so i was there because i was the one who created the reels that they were doing the conform based off of so i knew where everything was and i could explain because um in that particular session my editor had added like extra frames to the end of scenes so he repeated some frames to add like a little reaction because the time warp expansion wasn't working Mm. really well So it was actually really kind of cool the way that he did it. It just, you kind of cut out certain frames that aren't giving the reaction that you want. And then it kind of plays evenly. So it elongates a reaction. The conform artist was there and he's like, what, why is the time quote doing that? And I'm like, okay, I marked it in the thing. These are uh, frames that were reused intentionally. They're used for the reaction. Just don't mess with them. Yeah. (laughs) They are perfectly fine. Anyway, you want to talk about this movie? We could talk about assistant editing and editing all day. But we have to talk about this horrible movie. But we movie. have to talk about this horrible movie. It actually, this might actually be very quick. Was this movie worse than Twilight? Yes. <laughs> yes. Partially because he was an adult and this was an adult relationship. Hey, vampires are much older than he is. Yes, but they still have teenage angsty shit. Okay. When you're a teenager, this overdramaticism makes sense because your hormones are all fucked up. And your prefrontal cortex isn't developed yet. That's true. Would you say this is worse than Annie Hall? No. Okay. It was trying to be Annie Hall, which really annoyed me. Yeah, but it didn't do like the uh, new wave type of effects and things. It didn't try to change cinema history. No. It just tried to be Annie Hall. Right. Which Albert Brooks as Woody Allen is much nicer than Woody Allen as Woody Allen. Yeah, see, that's (laughs) where I'm like, you know, I know he's trying to be Woody Allen, but, like, he's not as annoying. 
he's more genuine yeah i accept it more <laughs> yeah like the neuroticism is it makes sense whereas woody allen is just being neurotic because he thinks he's it's ironic and funny yeah and pervy and pervy yes well i don't know does he think it's pervy or does oh, is it just he is it pervy? just comes off as pervy <laughs> This one was just like, he came off as a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> but like a nice, genuine murderer. A genuine murderer. <laughs> like a murderer you would take home to your mom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of those when people see later on in the news that he had murdered Mary in the cabin, they'd be like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> Definitely saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mary, no. Why? If you didn't see my live tweet, please go look at it now. <laughs> this is months away. This is the middle of October. Just just search my, my handle and and modern romance. Yep. And you will see the happy, happy joy joy <laughs> of this movie. So we start out as a at a diner. Our main character Bob is there. He's meeting woman Mary. We have no idea who this man is yet. So he starts out being like, I don't feel too good about us and i've been down a lot lately and i think it's because of us yeah like okay first red flag of being a murderer <laughs> let me guilt trip you yep so then they have a little talk about editing so one of them is just like well let's eat first before we fight yeah can we just have a nice dinner bob so they were talking about that she's like how's how's the edit going he's like oh it's still rough blah 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 we got a screening next week and then we're gonna change everything but David said I was the best editor he's ever worked with. So he wants to break up, but he loves her. But yes. they're in a no-win situation, like Vietnam. <laughs> he, just, he literally compared his relationship with her to a very, very bad war. They, we, It is established now that they've broken up and gotten back together several times before. And she's just like, okay, well, how long? How you... long is it this time? Yeah, and he's like, no, 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 this time. This is the last time. <laughs> I'm I can't trying to deal with your shit anymore, Mary. I'm trying to go to my uh, Marlin voice. <laughs> did you really just like in your head? See I didn't hear it. No. Him as a fish. No, I didn't hear it. But I hear it now in my head when I'm yeah. trying to find the voice for him. Is it funny that the fish is just as neurotic, but like played better than this character? I don't know if this gives me a worse view. Uh, like, has this no. tainted Finding Nemo? No, it is not tainted. Here, Here's where I'm going with this. Finding Nemo, like, it totally makes sense why they would cast Albert Brooks as the voice for Marlon. Because Marlon is a very neurotic fish. Mm -hmm. This man in this movie is neurotic. But Marlon is a better character. Indeed. And, wait for it. Just wait. Got it. And I lost it. <laughs> no. Marlon, um, he's acted better. Albert Brooks acted better for the voice of a fish than he did in this movie. He comes off as genuine, but he is super fucking annoying. In this movie. In this movie. Yeah. He will not stop talking to himself. Oh my God. He will not stop narrating his life as if he were in a movie and he's trying to edit his life with, which, guys, that was an excuse that a psychologist gave that is a reason for women who wanted to be editors and that is not true we don't want to edit the bad relationships out of our lives we like those bad relationships because they feed into how we can progress our art so fuck all you people who believe that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i believe in you your voice does matter My that's what it should have said matter. 
It does. Everyone's voice matters. That's why we make this podcast. Yep, it is. I'm a little lost, but it's okay. I'm going to get back on this track of the movie. Uh, this is when he... They get mad. Yeah, they get mad, and then he she goes off into the parking lot, and you thought she was getting hit by a car. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's saxophone. I wrote down that there's saxophone music. Oh, then we the, must be at the credits. The credit, opening <laughs> credits, yeah. The I very got, loud saxophone. I got very excited about it. I wrote an exclamation point, saxophone! <laughs> yeah, because it reminded you of Roxanne. It was. It predated Roxanne. Roxanne. So then we're in the edit room with Bruno Kirby. He's his assistant editor. He's the best assistant editor in Hollywood. Did we learn his name? His name is Jay. Oh, the very okay. simple names in this movie. Yes. Bob, Mary, Jay, David. We don't learn anyone else's names. No. Oh, and Ellen shows up for a hot second. Oh, yeah. Did you find it amusing that he spent like all of three scenes in the edit room? Yeah. <laughs> Dude. He, I think we mentioned that he edited, he did like 2% of the work on yes. the movie he was working on. Oh, I was going to say earlier that like he talks so much in this movie to himself that I, it was kind of a sensory overload to me that I was looking down a lot just so I could just hear it because I don't know, it just befuddled it my pro- brain. It didn't progress any, like... Okay, it so was hard to watch. After we get to the edit edit room scene, and he's talking to um, Bruno Kirby and giving him a salad, and um, they like chat about his relationship, and then Bruno Kirby gives him a quaalude. Yep. Uh, then Albert Brooks goes home. We then see his entire going to bed routine. Like this is when he gets undressed. He takes the quaalude. He, like, puts his pajamas on. He goes and then brushes his teeth. And then my notes are, gets undressed, brushes teeth, kill us now. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is our introduction to his home. This is a straight up five minute scene that feels like 20 minutes. It feels so long. And it's not like stretching out the scene for the humor. It's not funny it's not it's not even like stretching out the scene to make you feel awkward i swear it's because albert brooks directed this too he's like and he wrote it. he's like i need scenes so that people can tell that i'm neurotic and paranoid okay i'll just do these scenes where i'm talking to myself because that's what neurotic and paranoid people do so he's like just roll the camera i'm gonna do these things that's what it felt like <laughs> and, well and it wasn't like progressing anything like we already knew he was neurotic straight up yeah from the scene with him and, and mary yes so we didn't need this like this is all just time filler yeah it it's like we need this movie to be 90 minutes long we are missing like straight up 10 minutes let's throw in these really long yeah <laughs> ridiculous scenes that we don't need information from so it's like you could sit there and you're watching this movie and i could look down at my phone and then look up and like Two minutes later, I would still not need to know this information because the plot has not progressed. Because then once we finally get to the plot progressing part, which is him going on the phone, the first phone call, which is his assistant editor, where he (laughs) tells him that he loves him. Which I should I should call you all high. (laughs) I mean, like, I don't ever I've never gotten high. I don't get high. Pretend high. I'll get pretend high. And like, call you up and be like, I love you, Ashley. You know, I, you know. No, no, no. And then tell you, tell me a random story about car crashes. Is that what he did? I it was, was like car accidents. He's just like. Oh, right. Because <laughs> you don't want to not tell somebody that you love them. And then one day yeah. it's too late. Yeah. 
like I just you're the best uh, assistant editor in Hollywood and I just I just love you man I just I just oh. people go they, they two just, gone and they just go they're gone they know you never get to tell you them can't, they don't know they just they just don't know do you think Mary <laughs> knew that I loved her <laughs> we finally get to the information that we needed do you think you think I love her why did I break up? Why? What? What do you think she's doing? Why did I do these and things? And Jay's like, I'm trying to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's when you have the assistant editor with the cell phone who sets it on their desk <laughs> to go back to work. <laughs> like, on speakerphone. Just yeah. like, yes. Yes, Bob. I, I hear you. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Bob. I, I get it. Go to sleep. Yeah. Did you Did you take the lewd? Take Take the lewd. Take the lewd. Go to sleep. Just lie down. Yes. <laughs> so he tries to lie down and he's like, no, I can't sleep. Can't sleep. I'm gonna play some music. And the whole, seriously, he's narrating the whole time. He's yeah. like, oh, I should play music. I'm gonna take this record out. Oh, this is a good record. This Look is at a this good, good record. record. <laughs> oh, this is great. Does he even play the music? I don't remember him turning it on. There's a little bit of music playing, and then it stops. I don't know, because he gets on the phone again. This is when he calls Ellen. Yes, he drunk dials. Not drunk dials. He high dials. High dials. Calls Ellen to take her out, and he's just like, Ellen. Oh, Ellen. I'm going to take you out. It's going to be the best. so good. It's going to be like a game show. It's going to be there's surprises around every corner. <laughs> surprises and presents. And just, ah, Ellen. Ellen. We later come to find, he doesn't know who Ellen is. No. <laughs> he doesn't remember. She's she said, some assistant of some yeah. hotshot producer. Oh, Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah. I just watched a Peter Bogdanovich movie the other day. Was the one good? with Barbara. Yeah. Was was Ellen? Did Ellen help? Was she his assistant? <laughs> Probably. Okay. Then... This other AE calls him is like, hey, who's working on this picture? Do you think I could get the job on it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll put a good name in. I'll put a good word in for you. You'll be good. And then the AE's doing some small talk. And he's like, oh, yeah. And how's Mary? <laughs> and and Bob's like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you scum. You garbage. Yeah, he calls Trying him to move in on my territory. A scumbag. Yeah. Okay, so then he goes out to the car. And falls asleep. And he falls asleep. Oh, but he got dressed before that, didn't he? Well, we were very upset because he didn't walk out. Because what he what should have happened is he should have still stayed in his bathrobe. He shouldn't have been walking out in his jeans and his button up, yeah. putting putting his clothes on in the car. Should have wa- walked out in the bathrobe. Yeah. So he falls asleep in his car with the radio on, playing Queen. The music yeah. in this movie was good. Yes, that was the only good part. Props to the to the music editor and good job guys sound designers you're much better than old michael ian black and that (laughs) other guy (laughs) (laughs) old michael ian black not like old as in like uh, we're speaking about him as like a old friend like literally an older version of michael (laughs) ian black still with the sassy face and everything (laughs) papa ian black <laughs> Can we call him that from now on? Yeah. Okay. Papa Ian Black. We need a picture of this man. <laughs> this is what happens because we just started really poking fun of this movie. That's yes. why I was amused. <laughs> I found it amusing because it's really easy to make fun of this movie. Yes. Not as easy as Twilight, but just as bad. 
Okay, so he falls asleep in his cars, cars, whatever, battery. So we get to dissolve into morning, and then, yeah, then... The AE calls him and tells him he did all the work. <laughs> yeah, got these cuts done for you. Come in and see. He's like, no, I just need... I just... I think I need a day to myself. Yeah. What? The director's not going to be in until tomorrow? Okay, I'll see you then. <laughs> Bye! I'm going to go running. Well, first he's like, I need vitamin. Like, oh. he declares <laughs> yeah. to the room, to his bird. He has a bird. <laughs> I need vitamins. That's what I need. Give me my vitamins. But he needs to go buy vitamins. Because he doesn't have any, he doesn't have any, like, his, calcium or Well, vitamins. his vitamin E has just all solidified yes. into a solid chunk. Yes. Why we do any of this, I don't know. Because then he goes to the vitamin store and he's like, hey, I just broke up with somebody. What vitamins do I need? And they give him a bunch. And so he takes them all. Yeah. And then he goes to like the sports authority or whatever. And he's looking at running shoes. And this guy who works there like totally upsells him all these things because he's an idiot. Yeah. Back in the day when editors made money that they could just blow. Yeah. So the guy like sells them the whole store. And he keeps on talking. He talks to, like, every person he meets. He goes, hi, I just broke up with someone. I need this. Hi, I just broke up with someone. I need to get gifts. Yeah. Ah, hi, I just broke up with someone. I'm a big idiot. Please, I'll spend all my money. Please take my wallet. Take my money. Car. Oh, this one. This one's a fun part. Another scene with music is he's driving, and then he hears all the these love songs and breakup songs. Yes. God only knows what what I'd I'd be without you. That was good. And then he's exercising in his new, like, jogging suit. And he does, like, the one, two, don't even miss her, three. Yep. Five, six, don't even miss her, seven. He runs, like, half a bit. And and is just like, I miss her. And then veers off into the phone booth. Yeah. Lots of payphones in this movie. It was the 80s. Calls Mary. She works at this bank. Fidelity banking. Irony. And she's out at lunch right now with a man. <gasps> How tragic. So this upsets him greatly. Not greatly, like astronomically. Then he's at home and he calls Ellen to cancel. Like that's what he declares to the room. I'm going to call Ellen to cancel. And then he picks up. He ends up not doing that and ends up confirming. Leaves yes. her a message. Yes. Yeah, like, oh, we're still on for tonight. Great. See you then. And then his mom calls. The mom finds out that he broke up with Mary. She's very upset about this. And Why can't you get together with that Mary girl? Yeah. She's like, you didn't even try. You're not even trying. Which I was like, props to mom. Yeah. <laughs> the mom knows what's up. Mom, fix him. Yeah. Fix him good. And then kill us all. So we do this thing where he goes out to his car. We think he's going to go pick up Ellen because like that's what he says. But then he goes to mary's door and she's not there so he gets upset that she has a date so then he goes to ellen's yes so when ellen comes out he immediately tells her like oh when i made this date with you i didn't even know who you were but now i recognize you you're so and so so let's do this date it's super awkward yeah like why would you say that (laughs) like props for honesty but also why why are you so honest all of a sudden? Why do women keep going out with him? Yes, that too. Why did she get in the car? Like, that is a red flag. He is going to possibly murder you. Yep. We should just live stream this movie and just hold up red flags. Yes, every time something bad happens. Uh. 
This is bad. Murder time. <laughs> so then they're in the car together and are not talking. They're not doing any small talk. And then Michael Jackson comes on the radio. She's out of my life. <laughs> She's out of my life. I don't know the real melody of the song. Way to go, MJ. But then it like it's like a whole little driving sequence where he drives her back to his house. To her, her house. house. It's like, sorry, I can't do this. I'll, I'll call you another time. We'll go on a date for sure. I just I just ended a relationship and I just I'm not ready for this. Get out of my car. Get out. So then he drives to the gift store. I like grocery store. Yeah, but he like tells the the parking attendant. I just broke up with someone. I'm just going to run and get a few gifts. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the store, I just broke up with someone, which does this doll say something? Which ones say I love you? Which ones say I'm sorry? He's shopping in like the toddler section. He buys a giant giraffe. I love you. I love you so much. Oh, Mary. <laughs> and he hugs the doll. So he wraps the presents, drives to her house, and leaves them on her doorstep. With a the, note. With a note taped to her door in the middle of the night. Not even a signed note. No, just a note. That's like, I love you. Call me. Yeah. <laughs> And then he gets so upset because this is like 10 o'clock at night when he drops this stuff off. So he gets pissed that she doesn't hasn't called yet by the time he gets home. Mm-hmm. He gets so enraged that he drives around her neighborhood. Yeah. For like three hours. He starts circling her house in his car. Yeah. I mean, like if there were ever warning signs, now <laughs> is it. <laughs> now is the big one. Do not. Do not. Do not pass go. Oh, <laughs> this is where it really turned into a murder story. <laughs> yeah, I think I had several tweets where it was just like, this should have been a horror movie. Ooh. Yeah, remember all those other movies that we thought were going to be horror movies based off of the titles? Yes. It's this one. This one's the horror movie. Yes, this one's the horror movie. So, yeah, he gets so enraged. So finally he goes home. He gives up after like the fourth time around her house. Mm-hmm. Still seeing his gifts. Then when he gets home, she calls him. Well, this night is a bit longer. Oh. Like he goes to the marina, he goes to the payphone to keep calling her, and like one of the times, like his mom called him. So then, yeah, by the time he gets back from the marina, Mary had called. Yes, says that she likes the giraffe. I love it. That's like the. I found this to be the most unbelievable point in the whole story. Yes, <laughs> that she was like, yes giraffe (laughs) you get on come on yep wow wow (laughs) what out of anything else like i believe the ending because he's there like talking to her and convincing her yes this thing with the 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 toys though i don't believe it i don't buy it well then he goes over to her house oh god She's in her robe and she's like, I'm so sorry. I was so angry with you. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And they go in the bedroom. And <laughs> they love and they miss each other. Yes. But does he know what love is? No. But she's naked under her robe. I just remember she just like, is like full body shot yeah. nudity. And we're like, what? <laughs> yeah, we both pointed at the screen. <laughs> what? I texted Sam that said that I told him I needed a hug. Yes. (laughs) 
Well, and then they start making out, and they're going to have sex. Yeah, they're still, like, fighting, talking. Yeah. And he's doing this thing, because every time he does something wrong, he goes, because I love you. Yes. Like, that's his... <laughs> he blames her. For his faults. Right. Yes. It's because I love you. That's why I, I'm so crazy. I'm so crazy in love with you. I can't I can't deal with, with my feelings. <laughs> I can't control my murder axe arm. <laughs> my idle hand that's controlled by love. <laughs> I just love you so much. <laughs> I need to eat you and have you be inside of me. <sighs> that's what it was. This movie should come with trigger warnings. It should. Well, and then, like, we're we're just waiting for the sex to happen. We're just well, like, oh, we're my- just, no, we're not waiting for it to happen. Because we know, okay, because based off this movie, all of his scenes run ridiculously long, right? Yes, yes. Like, over the point where they need to happen. So yes. I'm just like, oh, God, we're going to be here for just the whole time. We're just going to, I feel like Start a dirty, like, voyeur yes. at this point. I'm like, no, no, like, it's torture now. <laughs> And then there's a fade to black and we cheer. Yes. We did not have to see them having sex. Thank you, God. (laughs) Like, I don't typically like fades to black because I'm like, okay, save the fade until like the end, like fade into like a different scene or dissolve or something. I don't like going to black until it's an ending. No, this was beautiful. Also... (laughs) They probably heard us complain on this podcast that like, oh no, you cut away from the sexy times. Yes. We have never (laughs) been like, oh, thank God they cut away from the sexy times. (laughs) We're traumatized. Yes. Albert, Albert Brooks's hairy back is going to haunt my dreams. We're doing double therapy this week. (laughs) Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. The best fade to black ever happens. Yes. And then we're in the edit room. I don't remember what. Oh, oh no. Okay. The next morning where he tells her that her dress is wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> it got worse. <laughs> you got to you got to take that dress off, honey. Your nipples look like eyeballs. What? He tells her to change her clothes. She's about to go out the door for work and he's yeah. like, "No, you need to change." Who are you, my father? You do not control this woman's body. No. <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> <laughs> All of this? No, 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 just no. no. And she's just like, you're being ridiculous. There was nothing wrong with her dress was not revealing at all. No, it was like a cotton dress. Yeah, it was like a knit. It went down to her knees. It like went down to her elbows yeah. and up to her neck. The it only covered thing, everything. The only thing that he was complaining about was its tightness, which it wasn't even it like. Did. No, no. She may not have been wearing like a padded bra to like hide her nipples. But this was like. 81 yeah come on this is when we were burning our bras guys this was she was extremely covered yes (laughs) (laughs) and what did he say he says there's people out there that that rape oh yes this is when he compared her clothing to causing rape yeah there are people out there that rape that's all they do that's what he said as she's leaving to go to work what a dickhead. He threatens her saying, you are going to get raped if you leave this house. In that dress. In that dress. Can you boo? I don't know how any, this, this, my brain does not compute. I would have stabbed him. That's the only appropriate stabbing in yeah. this movie. <laughs> she just turns around and murders him. The end. Can we remake this movie? It needs a little editing. Yes. <laughs> little horror movie well the, and the music the music during the driving stalker scene was so like he was gonna murder himself <laughs> <laughs> he 
He was going to murder her or kill himself. <laughs> I just can't believe that he said that to her. I can. It was the 80s. People uh, didn't re- uh, like understand rape. Because he loves her. Because he loves her, so then it's not rape, according to Phyllis Schlafly. So the next scene, it gets a little worse. <laughs> I don't remember the res- this next scene. He's shaving. Oh, yeah. In what? her bathroom. Why? <laughs> and going through all... Like, as soon as he started opening the drawers, I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna find another dude's shit, and he's gonna flip the shit out and just kill himself with a razor. <laughs> <laughs> he finds her telephone bill in her bathroom drawer. Yes. And there's this long distance number that he doesn't recognize late at night for an hour. In New York. And then the next morning for more time. So he is upset. She cheated. That someone else was touching his property while they were not together. Not even touching. This was a long distance phone call from Los Angeles to New York. There was no touching involved. There may have been like okay, phone someone, fondling, but someone that's was it. speaking to his property when they were not together. <laughs> yes, without his consent. Yes, <laughs> that went through his brain. <laughs> oh my god! If this movie was like attempted to be made today, so many things would happen. Like people would walk off of sets. I don't think an actor would do it. I don't think an actor would do it either. I don't think an actress would put up with this shit. No, definitely 100% no. Okay, so we're in the edit room. Um, they decide to edit in a reaction shot. They do a, they do a much cl- they do a clever thing with just taking out a line and putting in a reaction shot. It was a very good edit choice. Yes, I agreed. The director, however, did not. Yeah. Hello, James L. Brooks <laughs> comes in. He's the director. And so they're trying to convince the director to lose the line. And then the director is so caught up with the line being like, no, that's a great delivery. It's a a great line. It's a great line. He probably wrote it. Yeah. And you're just like, it does nothing for the story. It ruins the story. Yeah, they did. They did encapture the director editor relationship quite well. Yeah. When the director's like, well, no. You're probably right, but can you put it back in? Yes. (laughs) That is definitely a director has said that somewhere, somehow, in an edit room, possibly five or six feet away from another director who said the same thing. I accept that because they're going to do a preview next week and he probably wants to test it. Yeah. But then say that, not, yeah, you're probably right. But I'm the director. I'm the director. My word is final. Stop ruining movies, directors. <laughs> Stop ruining the movies, studios. So the director invites him to a party. Which is weird he didn't invite Jay to the party. No, assistant editors don't get to go to parties with directors. Assistant editors have to work. We never yes. see Bruno Kirby outside <laughs> of the edit room. We even see him like eating in there. Yeah. <laughs> he lives in the edit room. That is where assistant editors live and then die. <laughs> <laughs> On the top of a steam bag. Possibly choked to death by a roll of film that Albert Brooks may or may not have had left his fingerprints on. <laughs> they go to this party. He, The director said, invite Mary. So they go, Mary and Bob go to David's party with all these other Hollywood type people. It's a Hollywood party. AKA all white dudes. Yeah. They're sharing some studio stories. And, and some coke. Yeah. He's upset that, like, Mary knew people at the party. Like, as soon as, like, she they go in, Mary knows someone. He's like, she knows someone here. She's leaving me for him. 
so Mary must kill other man. Mary goes and hangs out with these dudes and does coke in the bathroom. Yeah. Because that's what you do at Hollywood parties. Yeah. Didn't you know that? I didn't know. I haven't been invited to a Hollywood party. Oh, I'm sorry. We just have game nights. I like game nights better. Yeah. They were like, hey, you want to do some drugs? <laughs> yeah. Well, he taps his nose. He's like, you want to go in the bathroom and tap his nose? Tap, tap. Yeah. Like, they don't know what they've been doing. Plus, they're in a private residence. Yeah. It's like, can you not try so hard to be Annie Hall? <laughs> like, we get it. Cocaine. It's there. He was not okay that she went and did coke with these other guys, but he wasn't going to do the coke, so she couldn't. Right. And as soon as, like... She was having a good time. He said, let's leave. Yeah. Because he's a fucking asshole. Yes, he is. Guarantee 100%. Grade A asshole. So then uh, we have this uh, spotting session for sound effects with like the worst sound designers ever. They're so mean. They're like, nope. We don't we don't have sound effects for that. Nope. And the editor's in there, which is just weird because he's like, what do you think that that floor sounds like? in space in the spaceship what does it look like the guy's like cap it cap it (laughs) but what could it say we're in a spaceship space cap it like we only have gravel and cement (laughs) and you got the flooring you want a foley on we'll have to wait a day (laughs) yeah he's like no let's do the let's do the linoleum you think that'll sound good yeah i think that'll sound good so they they actually do a foley session which was fun which the editor had to be the Foley artist. Yeah. Because that's real. Yeah, none of this was real at all. At least in today's world. Like, the with the editor coming up for ideas for the sound design, doing the Foley. Yeah. Like, the editor can give ideas, but it's still up to the sound editor to flesh out the, the scene. Yeah. So, he's there, and he calls up that number... The number on her telephone bill, because they have to wait for a sound effect to be loaded. <laughs> they gotta go find the reel. I swear, that's how movies took like three years to edit back yeah, in the day. Yeah. No, I believe it. I still would believe it. We get three months now. First he calls Doc's Mary. Yeah. And he's like, you want to go out later? And she's obviously at work. She obviously can't talk at the moment. He's not getting the hint. And he's just like, come on, let's go out later. And she's just like, I'm busy. I'm working. Go away. She's like, bye. So then he calls up the number from the telephone bill. And he reaches this guy. So he knows that she was talking to a man. (gasps) How drastically jealous of you he must be. And then I wrote down that in this movie, sound designers are depicted as terrible and unhelpful and that the editors do all the work yeah not true not true we are a team so he calls mary again after they do their sound session and she's gone for the day and he's like where'd you go where'd you go i'm i'm her brother i need to know it's life or death where did she go and then the guy in the other end of the phone who works at the bank like i don't know it's this restaurant maybe try there she had to, well, she had to work late. She told him that she wasn't able to go out for dinner or whatever because she had to yeah, work late. Yeah, but she didn't tell him that she'd be going out. Yeah. That doesn't mean work late to him. <laughs> Those are two separate things to him. She was working late, but to him, that's not what she explicitly said. Well, he is wrong on so many different levels. He is crazy and controlling yes. and a stalker. 
So he goes to the restaurant to look for her and she's there and she's with these work people. So he's interrupting her work. Yes. To be like, hello, remember you said you loved me? (laughs) Come love me. I need validation for that. You're hanging out with these other men I don't know. Love me. And then doesn't he tell her that... Isn't there any other women there? Yeah. she. He said, why are you the only woman here? Well, isn't there another woman at the office who could do the entertaining? That's what he said. He is a putz. And she's like, you are embarrassing me. We're just like, Mary, get away. We're like, Mary, run. Stab him in the face. This it's is- okay. You'll get off. <laughs> use that. Use that little salad fork. Go. Be free. So he like guilt trip lies to her. Yes. And is like... Oh, but I planned this whole evening out. I had all these plans. We're going to go away. I had all these amazing things we're going to do together. Why didn't you tell me you were going to be working late? And with these people, what can't you get somebody else to do it? She's just like, I am doing my job. Let me do my job. And so he's just like, and then controls her more. Be like, but I love you. I'm only doing this because I love you and I care about you. What if we went away tomorrow? So like first... He, like, sets up this controlling thing of, like, you're going to say no to get going out tonight. I know this. So let me set up this other option that I'm surprising you with. Mm-hmm. that I'm just making up now, but I'm going to tell you that I've had scheduled for weeks. Right. So you're going to choose. He makes her choose the second option by having her deny the first option and having her guilt trip. It's the whole, like, I'm making you agree with me thing by making you come up with the idea. Yeah. Like, he does that to her. We see her, we see him do this to her. Several times. This isn't the first time. Yeah. It's this whole, like, really controlling way to get her to say yes. To submit, yes. Right. Gross. That he is in control. That's not real consent. <sighs> so, yeah. And a lot of people would just argue, like, why doesn't she just say no and stand up for herself and just run away? Stockholm Syndrome. Look it up. Battered wife syndrome. Look it up. Yep. If he's controlling her and guilting her, she's going to feel like she can't say no. Yes. Because she's the bad person. In yes. That. Yes. Are we almost done? Yeah, we're almost done. Okay. So, so the next, so the next day, he picks her up to go on the road trip all the way up to the mo- mountains where he's gonna murder her. Yeah. <laughs> in the woods. He's gonna cut up her body. He's gonna possibly eat her heart and bury her in the woods. Under uh, a big giant redwood tree. You know, if he eats her heart, that way they'll always be one. Yes. No, that's what I was going for. <laughs> logic. <laughs> crazy person logic. Hey, it makes total sense to me, but also I am crazy. <laughs> oh, I like this part because you yelled at this. Oh, did I? Yeah, when they were driving and he goes to kiss her and she's like, you're going to get into an accident. And he goes, a kiss is more important than life. <laughs> I forgot about it. I blocked it out of my brain. (laughs) What Uh, does that even mean? It means it's okay we're in love and it doesn't matter if I cause you bodily harm. So we're going to die now? We're going to die together, but it's okay because we're in love. I love you. (laughs) See, this movie's a lot scarier once you start really analyzing it. Yes, no, it is. It's terrifying. (laughs) We legit watched a horror movie today. Yes. So they get to this cabin. This really secluded cabin <laughs> in the woods. With a random telephone booth right out front. Because the cabin doesn't have a phone, so you can't call for help. <laughs> I was 
was really waiting for him to like grab an axe or something. Dude, the way he was staring at her, this next yeah. part where she goes, she goes outside to make a phone call because she's going to call the woman who's watching her apartment. Yes. He's staring at her out the window and just staring at her. We just see this close up of him staring at her yes. and her like on the phone and like she's shutting the door and she's laughing and you could see his serious face of like, who is she talking to? If I can't, if I can't have her, no one will. Yeah. So she comes back and he's like, so who'd you call? No, really. Who did you call? You're lying. Who did who, you call? Who are you cheating on me with? He's like, I have this phone bill and I know you're doing this. So who are you seeing? And she's just like, you are messed up. He's like, "There." what did she say? Oh, I wrote it in a tweet. It was like, there is something wrong with you. And I'm just like, no truer words, Mary. No truer <laughs> words. <laughs> and just like, then she like runs out into the woods. <laughs> and I'm like, no, don't run into the woods. <laughs> I got very animated at this point. Because she was going to die. Spoiler alert, nobody dies at the end. But our soul died. Yeah. <laughs> So she's like, it was my brother's girlfriend. And he's like, no, I called the number. See, that's what he did. He withheld the information. That's what you do. You withhold the information so they admit something and then you would trap them. That's what like yes. they do at police stations. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he had really good police investigative training. Yeah. And he's like, no, I talked to a man. You talked to a man. And she's just like. We were, this was in August. We were not together at the time. Can I not make a friend? And he's like, I do this because I love you. I didn't make a friend. Do you want to see my phone bill? My phone bills from that time? Yeah, I didn't call anybody. My phone bill was like $8.50. What are you going to do now, Mary? What? 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 So they're back in the cabin now. And so they're fighting. And she's like, okay, well, let's break up break up because we just keep fighting and nothing ever gets resolved and he says marry me yes this will only be solved if you marry me and we'll never have to worry about anything again so she says yes she says yes because this is what he really he does this whole monologue it's stalker yes. 101 or controlling abusive yes. like things are going to be so much better i'm not going to be the same way that i was before I promise I'm going to change. I'm going to be a better man because of you. Yeah. And I love you. I'm only doing this because I love you. Yes. And then she says yes. And then that's it. We hear you are so beautiful. And then the credits roll and they say that they got married in Vegas. And then they got divorced three months later. Oh, a month later. A month later. And then they got uh, back together and they're planning on remarrying. And that's it. And that's the end. I hated this movie so much. Sorry about the horror movie, everybody. It was horrible. It was totally horrifying. It's on Netflix streaming if you would like to rate it. Please and rate it bad. We're going to play a game. Okay. So we are going to play How's My Marketing. I've got the movie poster for Modern Romance. Okay. And it looks like this. Oh my god. It looks like American Graffiti. Ooh, like the poster. It does. So it's a pink poster with a Polaroid picture of them, similar to um, Taylor Swift's recent album cover. Then it's got handwritten title, um, and there's a, I guess, log line? Tagline? It's a very long tagline. It's a large block of text. Yeah, it's like a, blo a blurb 
Robert was madly in love with Mary. Mary was madly in love with him. Under the circumstances, they did the only thing that they could do. They broke up. If it's not love, what is? <laughs> Sometimes you wish this was a video podcast, don't you? <laughs> yes, that face was great. <laughs> I mean, they truly do look like they're in love. This looks like the parody, like, uh, romantic comedy poster that they did for Deadpool, like, in the same vein. Because this is, this does not portray the movie at all. If this is a movie about jealousy, the poster should reflect that, not the lovey-dovey bullshit. Mm-hmm. I tell you, this poster makes me want to throw up based off the color of it. It's got this Pepto Bismol color, yeah. color, and I look, I look at this poster, and I was like, I want to barf. Well, and it's like they wrote the the title with mustard, yeah, like on the Pepto Bismol. Oh, it's like mustard on like bologna or something. Yeah, it's really gross looking. So I say thumbs down on this poster. Oh, it's horrible. It doesn't, it doesn't portray the movie at all. Like to sell it. Mm-mm. Are you ready to rate this modern romance? Yep. I'm going to give this movie half a lonely <laughs> assistant editor. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> that means his legs are gone. <laughs> you don't need legs to edit. Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> I'm going to give this zero film reels because that's all the work that he did on the damn movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yep this, is this our lowest rated movie now <laughs> good <laughs> I hate that movie oh. okay well next week we're going back to the 90s thank god i've missed you um we're gonna be watching 1997's chasing amy i'm kind of excited about it just yeah. a little meh i mean it's everybody's least favorite kevin, kevin smith, smith movie i mean not really i mean just in the view askew universe yeah. not like um jersey girl and all those well, if you like our podcast, why not become a patron on Patreon? Mm. You can find all of that information for our podcast, The Cutaways Podcast, at patreon.com slash cutawayspodcast. If you want to find out more information on just The Cutaways Podcast itself, please visit our website, thecutaways.com, and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at cutawayspodcast. Please leave us comments, rate us, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and your favorite podcatcher. And if you can't find it, please let me know on the Twitter or the Facebook, and I will make sure that it gets done. We'll be there for you to hear us in this wonderful art that we're putting into the world. Yep. But that's it for this week. Till next time. Bye. Bye.